to you for choosing iChurch Sermon Podcast. We invite you to get ready, get ready, get ready for what God has to say to you today. Come on, come on. I said worship God, man. I said worship God. Look at three people beside you. Give him a high five and say, I'm happy you're here. I'm so happy you're here. Praise God in this today, and I know God has something for you guys. You guys may be seated. Man, I'm so happy and so excited. So, so happy and so excited because I don't know if you guys knew. You probably figured it out by now. But here in Young United, we're, we're progressing. All right, let me just put it that way. We're progressing, and we have our own first original, legit, one edition Snapchat opened up. Many Snapchat lovers out there. Okay, not many, but here's what you're going to do. I want you right there in front of you. There's a little paper, and that little paper should look a little bit like this. And it's our own Young United. And what I want you to do right there before we start service, I want you to put out your phone if you have a Snapchat. I want to give you permission, yeah, to put out your phone if you have Snapchat. And what you're going to do is that you're going to take a picture of that little paper that's right in front of you. That will scan our code, and you will automatically become our friend. So if this is your first time, scan that code, and you will have a friend in me, baby. You will have a friend in me. All right? So right there, come on, pick it out, and you guys can take a chance. What we're trying to do with our Snapchat, our number one goal, is to make sure. How many of you feel God in this place? Come on. How many of you feel God in this place? Our number one objective is for you to be able, when you get home and it's all said and done and your heart's still beating fast and God spoke to you, for you to be able to sit down in your bed, open our Snapchat, go through our story, and have a recap of everything that happened from every people's perspective. There's people uh, in the parking lot that have this Snapchat. There's people out here that have this Snapchat. They will be constantly taking pictures and videos, and when you get home, you get to sit down and see all the great things that God did, even the places that you were not. So I believe that Snapchat is going to be an amazing tool. So if you have Snapchat, you scan it. And if you do not, I encourage you to get a Snapchat, to scan us or add us at Snapchat, young United, young underscore United. We're also pushing really hard our Instagram. And our Instagram, more focused, you guys can look us up. And our focus is the same thing. I promise that when you go into our, Snap, our Instagram and our Snapchat, every day you will see something that you did not see before. So if you look us up at, at iChurch.YoungUnited, you'll be able to follow us on Instagram. And that's going to be super legit and super awesome. And don't forget, we have a Facebook and we have a Twitter in iChurchOKA. And you guys can get the latest update. But that was that. Now this is it. How many are ready to receive the Word of God? Come on, how many are ready to receive the Word of God? Baboom, baboom, baboom. Let me pray real quick before we start this series. Father God, I ask you to use me to sanctify my tongue, my expressions, my mind, God, and allow me to deliver this message to them the way you delivered it to me. I'm just a messenger. Take all the glory, Father. I hide behind the cross. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We've been on a series called Remove the Veil. Say with me, Remove the Veil. Remove the Veil is a series that God gave to our pastor, Carlos, our head pastor of iChurch. If you don't know him, he's an amazing guy. He looks a lot like me. Therefore, he looks really good. Um... But, but this guy, like, he, God gave this to him, and it's pretty much focused on atonement day, and it's focused on uh, Yom Kippur, and it's the time in the Old Testament where God will descend his glory and his Shekinah, and he will forgive everybody's sins, and he will remind them that they are with him. And so the first week, there's a small recap. It's going to be really hard to recap because we've been on this series for a month. If you 
have uh, uh, just got here, I encourage you to go to ichurchoka.com and you can go to the listen page and you can listen to all the previous sermons. If you missed it out, you get to go there and listen to them. They're free. They're amazing. Every time I mention ichurchoka.com, our web designer gets excited. <laughs> just visit it. Visit it for him. The first week, we broke down what happens and we explained everything. On the second week, we explained how... Um, how the priest needed to sacrifice the bull so that his sins can be forgiven. And so how you in your life need to get rid of those sins that you've been carrying because what you believe in life will have a hold on you even if it is not real because you believe it. So you need to let go of that sins because Jesus already died on the cross and forgave us. Amen? And then on the third week, we spoke how... Um, God will take care of you because his power is not independent from his involvement. So when God is present in your life, I can assure you that there is a powerful being watching over you. And you're in a supernatural platform to ask him anything that you want and anything that you need. Then we spoke about, which is last week, to claim your spot and how he will provide. That spot, God created it for you. He put it there for you. So you can sit there. And even though it's going to be uncomfortable, it is going to be uncomfortable because it is meant to be great. It is not meant to be weak. It is meant to be great. It is not meant to be weak. So it's time for you to claim your spot because the devil has been lying to you. It's time for you to claim your spot. And when you claim your spot, he will provide whatever you need in your current situation to get out of that and succeed. So whatever it is that you're going through, go to ITOK.com. Listen to that sermon. It's going to minister to your life. And so today, say with me today. We're going to go to, and we're going to speak about a word called encounter. Say it strong, encounter. Now, there's a little symbol. I want you to do this when you say encounter. I want you to have your fist in your hand, and I want you to do it simultaneously. Ready? One, two, three. Encounter. One, two, three. Encounter. Some of you can't do two things at the same time. Come on, that's easy. You can do this. Ready? One, two, three. Encounter. There is going to be an encounter with you and God. You hear me? There's going to be an encounter with you and God. All the things we've been speaking about since the beginning of the month. It's leading up to this encounter with God. But what does this encounter mean? What happens with this encounter? What happens next? Go with me to Exodus chapter 33. I'm going to give you a breakdown of what's been happening so far. You with me? Y'all with me? Clap once. Yeah, I'm going to give you the breakdown of what's been happening in this series. He's speaking about Moses. Now, Moses is in a tent that he created, and he's talking to God. And God had just told Moses, I'm not going to go with you. This is a recap for all of you that are new. I'm not going to go with you because if I go with you, I'm going to kill one of the people that you're leading because they're driving me crazy. So I'm not going to go with you. I'm going to send an angel. And Moses freaks out, and Moses starts saying, no, you need to go with us. Please, God, you need to go with us. And God says, okay, I'll go with you. Just relax. And then Moses repeats again, no, God, I'm telling you, you need to go with us. And God says, okay, I'll do whatever you want. And then Moses says, if you'll do whatever I want, I want you to show me your glory. So God, he needs to get in the specific spot. He gets in that spot. God passes by and he sees God's glory. Moses sees God's glory. Now, what happens next? That's where we are. What happens next? I want you to read with me in Exodus chapter 34, verse 2 and 3. This is right after God had put his hand over Moses in that spot. He had passed by, taken the hand off. Moses had seen his back. And right after that, we'll start right here in Exodus chapter 34, verse 2 and 3. God says, after he had passed and after Moses had seen him, be ready in the morning. When? And then come up to Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds may grace in front of the mountain. So God is going to meet with Moses and everybody else, right? No. God is going to meet with just Moses. 
You have to understand that there is times in life whenever God will show up to you with people. But there are other times in life that God wants to have an encounter personally with you and only you. And God is telling Moses, I'm, gonna, I'm getting ready to meet with you. I'm getting ready to encounter you on top of the mountain alone. Now, what is going to happen? What's going to happen right here? The three R's. Come on, say it. Do that with me. I understand that's a little hard for some of you. My wife, she's married to Hispanic, but she can't do that. I tell her, babe, she goes like, whatever that is. But the three R's, and we're going to speak about the three R's. What are the three R's? The three R's are what happens with every encounter. In almost every single encounter in the Bible, you will see these three R's. Now, it's important for you to understand that these three R's are, are not dependent on each other, but on, it depends on all three for the level of success of the encounter. Now, this is gold, pure gold right here. And I, want you, I don't want you to get bored because today I'm going to take a different approach. I'm going to teach a little bit. But there is always these three R's. There's no specific order. They do not depend on each other. But every encounter contains all three. Number one, say it with me, revelation. Number one. Number two. Number three. Revelation, reaction, and response. The three R's that happen with every encounter. Well, I'm going to start breaking them down to you. Let's go to the first R, or revelation. Exodus chapter 34, verse 5 to 7 says, Then the Lord came down. The Lord what? Then the Lord came down. In the cloud. Where? So the Lord is going to have an encounter in the cloud. And maybe you don't know this, but years after that, time after that, is when we experience this atonement day. And the same way that God met with Moses just this one time is going to be very similar to the way that God meets with the priest and spreads his Shekinah. The Bible says that after the priest does a whole ritual, the Shekinah of God will come down where the priest is on top of the mercy seat, and it will encounter, say with me, encounter, encounter, and it will spread out and everybody will see it and will know that God is there. The Lord comes down to encounter Moses in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name. The Lord, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming. He passed in front of Moses, proclaiming. Listen to this. That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen to this. Listen to what I'm going to say. I'm going to tell you something that maybe you did not know. And then he starts speaking. And what he speaks is words of grace and power. The Lord, the Lord. This is what he tells Moses. So he comes down, encounters Moses, and immediately we see the first R, which is a revelation. He starts going, hey, 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 the Lord, the Lord. This is God speaking to Moses, and Moses is paying complete attention because the revelation is coming and the encounter had just passed. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, what? Compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands is forgiven, wickedness, rebellions, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for their sins to the parents until the third and fourth generation. Now, let me tell you something. This is not the first time that, probably this is not the first time that Moses hears this. God had told this to Moses before. And if you start reading the Bible, God had told almost every single thing in that list. God had told him already that he is compassionate and gracious. He has showed him how he's slow to anger because if not, he would have killed people a long time ago. That he is abounding in love, faithfulness, love to thousands, forgiving, wickedness, rebellions. He had told this to Moses. What makes it different? God, what makes it different? A revelation is an experience that changes you and changes the way you live. Listen to me. A revelation is an experience that changes you and changes the way to live. I call it moments of impact. 
Now, I know that a bunch of you are going to make fun of me for this. Say what you want. One of my favorite movies in life is The Vow. Say what you want. Guys are hating. Girls are loving. The Vow. Anybody seen The Vow? Who's seen The Vow in here? The Vow is a beautiful movie, okay? I am married, so you can know that I am straight, but I love The Vow. It's a chick flick that tears my heart apart and makes me cry every single time. If you haven't seen the movie, it's about this guy that's married with this girl. The guy is Channing Tatum, all right? All right, yeah, I know y'all like that. The girl, I don't know her name, but anyways, they're in the car, and then all of a sudden there's a crash, and the girl comes out through the window, and she forgets every single thing with that guy. She goes, I'm telling you, he is married with her. They've been married for five years, I think. I think, I know. I've seen this movie like a dozen times. He's married. He's married with this girl for like five years, and all of a sudden he forgets everything. She forgets everything. Last thing she remembers, she's uh, engaged to someone else. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine you're married. Now, some, some men will, will celebrate. I rebuke you, okay? Can you imagine that, that you're married, and then all of a sudden, your wife forgets all of you, everything you've been through, everything you've done, and she only remembers being with her ex-boyfriend. So in her mind, she's with her ex-boyfriend. And it's crazy. The dude starts going crazy. And he starts speaking these theological words that change me. He says that life are made of moments of impact. Say with me, moments of impact. Now, what he speaks about, just paraphrasing, he says that there's flashes of intensity that shape who we are and how we live and what we'll say there in certain experiences. What he says is there is a time in life, there's this moment in life that you've seen a thousand times, you've experienced a thousand times, but there's this one time that that moment has something specific that will change and will shape you into what you're going to be and will make you different and it will make you better. Moments of impact are just like revelations. It's a time that maybe you've heard it a thousand times, but there's this one time that it really, really, really makes sense. Now, I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 9, verse 3 and 5. I'm telling you, I'm going to teach you today. It's not going to be like it is normally. As he neared Damascus, we're talking about Saul, who then becomes Paul. When he started, at this point, he's killing Christians. As he neared on Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashes around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice that said to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then he says, who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Jesus replied, And then the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they hadn't seen anything. They heard the sound, but they hadn't seen anything. God's revelations and his moments of impact to you are going to be unique and are going to be only for you. Listen to me. There are things that God has specifically allowed you to experience, things that God has specifically allowed you to feel, And not other people, just you, because those things are a part of your revelation that will shape you and that will change you. You have been living knowing something. You have been living feeling something in your life for years, and you don't know why you're feeling that. And that is because God is trying to reveal something that will shape you and change the way you live. There are people sitting in this room that have been feeling for a long time that your best friend maybe has homosexual thoughts. People that have been feeling that maybe your husband is doing something that he shouldn't. Feelings and experiences that you've seen that change who you are. And what we spend most of our life doing is saying, no, that's the devil. That's the devil. Let me tell you, this is good for all of you. Let me tell you how you know if it's the devil or if it is not. The Bible explains that clearly in Galatians chapter 5. And it's that when the devil speaks, when the flesh speaks, there are fruits and those fruits are from the flesh. And when the spirit speaks, there are fruits and there's fruits from the flesh. When the devil's trying to get a thought in your head... He comes up to you and he says, look at that idiot over there with glasses. 
Look at that idiot over there with glasses. He's staring at you. Go up there. Look, he took his glasses. He took his glasses off. The devil tells you, go up there to that guy staring at you and punch him in the face. Go over there and he puts this feeling of anger. He puts this feeling that the only fruit that could possibly come out of it, it is a fruit of the flesh and a fruit of the devil. What God does is that he says, look at that guy over there staring at you. Go love him. Look at that guy over staring at you. Go be patient with him. Go give him peace. Go give him strength. Go lift him up. So if the feeling that you have inside of your mind is, I think your husband has been cheating on you, go leave him. Go dump him. Go cuss him out. Go punch him in the face. My friend, my buddy, that is the devil. But if the feeling that God had allowed you to experience specifically at a certain time, the moment of impact is meant to produce a fruit of love, then it's God saying, do something about it. It is God saying, this moment is going to shape you and it's going to change you. That thing that you experienced and that thing that you feel was revealed to you by God so it can shape you into something better. But you see, you don't see it that way. Because you don't understand and you don't want the revelation of God in your life. When God reveals something to you, it will change. It was with the Titanic. It was with the Titanic. My parents know what I'm talking about already. I'm going to share this, yeah. At least, look up and Spotify the Titanic song. The Titanic did a number on me, man. The Titanic seriously did a number on me. It was with the Titanic. I remember like now, I was a little, stick with me, stick with me. I know, I know I'm crazy. I promise I'll tie it up. It was with the Titanic. I was like probably like seven, eight years old. And we had this little keyboard. It was like a toy keyboard. And you could go and you could pick a song in the keyboard. And then the song would light up little lights in the key. And if you press the key when the, when the song, like whatever, when you press the key, At the same time that the light would turn red, you would be able to play the Titanic. Now, understand, the Titanic is a hard song to play. I'm like, Uh, I could just see the lights going like, and I'm like. And it would light up, dude. The keyboard would light up in red. And look at what I would do. I would take, leave it on. I would take the piano, put it on the floor in the hallway. And I was like seven years old. And I would put the Titanic and I would start, I would start waving my head like, I'll put the tenor. I start going like. Every night in my dreams, I see you, I feel you. That is how I know you. I think I I promise. I'm getting, I'm getting teary eyes. I promise. You can ask my freaking parents. I love you. You guys are not freaking. You can ask my parents. When you see them, go out, ask them. I was seven years old. I would every time, every night, I would go out with the keyboard, put it in the hallway. Why in the hallway? I don't know. Put it in the hallway. Press the little Titanic key. See the lights flashing forward. And I would start bawling for hours and hours and hours. I would start crying and crying and crying. It was with the Titanic, dude. They think, what the crap? Does this have to do with anything? You were crying to the Titanic? In that time and point, I really thought that the Titanic had done a number on me. 
It wasn't until I grew up that I understood that the reason behind me crying is because every time that I played the Titanic, I'd heard the Titanic song a thousand times. But every time that I would put it, for some reason I had a vision in my mind. And it was a line of people. And I remember it was a line of people that I knew. And those people that I knew and that I didn't know would come up in front of me and I'd be standing right beside God. And God would look at them and be like, I'm sorry you did not accept Jesus as your Savior. He would push him or door would open and they would fall into hell. Next person, I'm sorry you did accept. And they would go to heaven. And when I had this image in my mind, it would, it, I couldn't stand it, and it ached to my heart, and it started making me cry. Now, I didn't know why the Titanic was doing this, but now I know that it wasn't the Titanic. It was that God was making a revelation and allowing me to experience something that will change and shape me. And today, I'm here preaching to you. Today, I have the microphone because I see you on that line, and my job is to make sure that you go up to heaven and not to hell. That's what God called me to do. That's what God revealed to me. That's what he revealed to me. Because your present revelations are your future responsibilities. Your present revelations are your future responsibilities. You don't know why you've been feeling that God is so good. It's because tomorrow you have to face somebody and you have to tell them God is good. You don't know why you've been feeling that God is strict. But it's because tomorrow you're going to have to stand in front of somebody and tell them, listen, you got you to stop with your sins. But God is revealing it to you for something. And it comes with the encounter. God decides to encounter you and allow you to experience a moment of impact that's going to change and it's going to shape you. So the first R is revelation. And my question to you is, what is the revelation that God gives you? What is the experience that God is allowing you to go through right here, right now? What are you struggling with? Is it pornography? Homosexuality? Why do you feel like it's so bad? Because your present revelations are your future responsibilities. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let's, let's keep going. Let's keep going. I got two more R's. So God comes and counters Moses. And he starts telling him, I'm compassionate. I am good. He starts revealing certain things to Moses, allows Moses to experience certain things. And what happens right after is the second R, that is reaction. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 34, verse 8, in the first half of that short verse, the Bible says Moses bowed to the ground. Moses bowed to the ground. Moses is in the midst of an encounter with God. And in the midst of that encounter, God starts revealing, I am good. Moses has heard that before, but this time it's different because this time is a moment of impact that's made to change him. And he can't help to react by bowing to the ground and falling to the floor. Because when God decides to act, you better believe that there will be a reaction. When God decides to step into your life, you better believe that there will be a reaction. God is so powerful. You think that God so powerful and so big is going to act without something in this universe reacting? There will be a reaction when God decides to encounter you where you are. He is so powerful. And the thing with the reaction is that it's inevitable. You can't choose not to react. You're going to have to react. But this is the part that nobody wants. This is the part that nobody wants to experience. 
Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6, we have a prophet, and the prophet has an encounter with God, and after he has the encounter with God, God reveals him one of the most famous chants nowadays in church, holy, holy is the Lord, and then the angel encounters, he has an encounter with God, God gives him that revelation, the angel goes up back to heaven, picks up a live coal, brings it down, and puts it in Isaiah's mouth, action, reaction. Acts chapter 9, the Bible says that Saul fell down to the ground and he stayed blind for three days after he had encountered God. Because God decided to act upon his life and the reaction that he could not control was that he stayed blind and he couldn't eat or drink for three days. 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah goes up running and hides in a cave and in the midst of that cave, God says, go up, I'm going to pass in a couple minutes and you're going to see me. And the Bible says that fire comes. That a wind so strong comes that breaks a rock in the half, in, in the midst. God acting outside. And, the, and it, Elijah can't help to react. The Bible says he covers his face and he goes out to meet God. Action, reaction. Exodus chapter 34. Moses fell to the ground upon the encounter of God. Genesis chapter 32. Jacob starts wrestling. Jacob starts wrestling God. And when he's wrestling God, God touches his hip, action, and the reaction is that his hip falls out of place, and after that, he goes out limping, action, reaction. You see, this is the part that nobody wants to listen. This is the part that nobody wants to hear. Everybody wants the word of God. Everybody wants the knowledge of God. Everybody wants the gift of God, the revelation of God, an encounter with God, but nobody's willing to stay and understand that there will be coal, that there will be purification, that there will be surrendering, that there will be blindness. That there will be tough times. Nobody wants to hear that though. Nobody wants to be, everybody wants to be Paul and write the letters. But nobody wants to be blind for three days after Jesus' encounter. Everybody wants to be Isaiah, the great prophet that knew pretty much most of Jesus' life. But nobody knows that before, after the revelation, there was live coal in his mouth burning him because there needed to be a purification. When God encounters you, whether you want it or not, there will be a revelation and there will be something that clicks into your head. There will be something that you will just know. You will just know that you got to step away from that sin. You will just know that it's time to go through a purification phase. You will just know that it's time to surrender pornography, that it's time to surrender that. But you want to grab the microphone and receive the revelation from God, but you don't want to stop that. You don't want to react to his action. It comes with a price. It comes with a tough price. I put on Facebook the other day. I put on Facebook the other day. God gave me a revelation. Preaching is like charades. I don't know if you read this, but if you've ever preached, you know that preaching is like playing charades with God for a whole week. You sit down and you read hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of the Bible, and God is standing in front of you doing this. And you're like, God, give me some more. What the crap is that? He's like, this, 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 this. And you could spend hours and hours reading the Bible trying to figure out the message that God wants to give. Also, that suddenly you can stand in this altar, reveal, give God's answer that he gave to you. And on Monday, stand back and sit back in that desk for eight and a half hours reading the Bible without knowing what God wants to speak to his people. But nobody wants to do that. Everybody wants to preach, but nobody wants to sit. Ask my wife. Eight, ten hours almost every day sitting down reading the Bible in a blank piece of paper, freaking out. Also that I can come up here, do it for 30 minutes, go on Monday and do it back again. And I love it. But it's my price and I will pay it. Tell me how much are you willing to pay of your price and I'll tell you how far you go. Tell me how much you're willing to pay of your price and I'll tell you how far you go. 
But when God decides to act, you will have to react. And it is not up to you what that reaction is going to be. It's not up to you. Everybody wants to hear God speak, but in reality, you don't want him to speak because you're afraid of what he'll say. Everybody, God, speak to me, speak to me. And in the back of your head, no, no, don't speak to me because I know when you open your mouth, you're going to tell me everything that I'm doing wrong and everything that I have to go change. And even though you're going to love me, you're going to discipline me and you're going to put me in my path. And I don't want to be in that path. I want to be in the easy path. You want him to speak? Listen. Listen. No matter what it is, listen. But that's, part, that's, 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 that's what happens with the encounter of God in your life. There will be a reaction. Let me go to the third R, third and last R. I'm going to wrap this up for you. Third and last R. Exodus chapter 34, verse 8, finishes the way that it is. God comes, reveals to Moses that he is good, he is compassionate. Moses reacts, falls to the floor, and then the last thing is response. Moses' response upon God's encounter. The Bible says at the beginning of that verse, he fell to the ground and at once worshipped. His reaction, his response to to God's encounter was worship. There needs to be a response. Now, the difference between a response and a reaction is that in the reaction, you don't have control of what's going to happen. You're just going to have to live with it. You're just going to have to do it. He's going to have to hear it. And the response is the time that God says, here's the revelation, one. One reacts to what God did, and then God says, okay, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about my encounter with you? What are you going to do after you remove the veil? What's going to be your response? What's next? What is the next step? What's the next step? Acts chapter 9, verse 17 and 18. Then Ananias, we're back with Saul. Saul encounters God. God reveals to him, speaks to him. He hears his voice. He has a reaction. He ends up blind for three days. He can't eat or drink. And then all of a sudden, we're we're here in the third phase of God's encounter. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. Look at, resp- look at his response. He got up. He got baptized. If you keep reading, he studies with the disciples, and then he starts preaching. A response to God's encounter. Immediate response to God's encounter. After all the wrong Saul had done, after all the mistakes Saul had committed. Saul was killing Christians. And after all these mistakes and all these wrongs and all this lifestyle that that Saul had been taking, Saul understood that he was still alive in that encounter with Jesus because Jesus still had a purpose with him. Because Jesus still wanted him to go farther and Jesus was not done with him. But Saul could have died and he knew that. Saul could have died in this encounter and he knew that. But God decided to let him live. So what Saul, what Paul understood was that he wasn't going to go back. He was going to go forward and he was going to do what God had revealed. The reaction and the response of his life was going to be baptizing and start preaching the word of God. There's two types of people in this room. There's people that are empty and there are people that are full. God doesn't go halfway. 
There's people that are empty and there's people that are full. If you haven't paid attention to nothing on my message, you missed it. You should go listen to it. But if not, listen to this last part. Empty people. People that feel like they're not achieving what they're supposed to achieve in life. Come on, you know who you are. I'm not gonna, I'm, I don't have to describe you. Empty people. Full with wonder. You can either walk away from this room tonight. You can walk away and go to your house. And keep living a life of emptiness. A life of what ifs. Wondering what would have happened if that day you would have raised your hand. What would have happened if that day you would have surrendered everything. What would have happened if that day your response to Jesus would have been different than the response that you're giving him right now. You can walk away and you can live an empty life. And that's the type of person that you are. And if you're okay with it, that's okay. But let me tell you something. God's encounter does not, but it's not, never underestimated. He will encounter you and he is so good that he will let you walk away. But if Saul would have walked away, he would have had to live blind. If Isaiah would have walked away, he would have walked away with a bruise in his mouth because he just got live coal in his mouth. If you walk away, you're going to live the rest of your life empty because you did not respond to correct response. So you will either be empty or you will respond to his encounter with you today. You will respond to my words coming from him and get a chance to a life full of him. Get a chance with a life of no ifs, of no wondering. Of no suffering and no pain. You're saying that you don't suffer, Josue? I'm saying that I suffer. But then I look up and I'm okay. I suffer, but then I look up and I'm okay. Because I decided to respond, yes. Listen to me, listen to me. I heard this in a trailer and it was crazy. Don't wage eternity, man. Don't wage eternity. Don't wage eternity. And you don't believe in God and you're sitting in this chair to see if somebody would tell you, listen to me. There's a revelation that God's giving me right now. You're sitting in this chair. You don't believe in God. You don't believe that he's good. And what you're doing is that you're waging eternity. You're waging eternity. If I'm wrong and God is not real, I'll be where you at when you die. But if I'm right and God is real, I'm going to go and spend the rest of my life in heaven with him. So you can wage eternity, but I am waging eternity. I'm going to trust that he is alive because I have seen him and I have feel him. So when he encounters with me, my response is. Here's my conclusion to you today. The same way I started is the same way I end. Sound like a dying whale. I want to show you one more encounter before I let you go. One more. His name is Samuel. He lived in church, house of the Lord where the ark was. That's what the Bible says, where the ark was. He lived in church. He slept in church, man. I'm jealous of Samuel. I wish I could sleep here. Be legit. But here's Samuel living in church. One day he was lying down, and as he was lying down, he hears Samuel. Samuel. He stood up, he said, here I am, and he runs to Eli and goes up to Eli, which was his master, and goes like, Eli, 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 what's up? You called me. And Eli goes like, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. 
So he goes back and he sits down. He goes back and he lays down and he starts sleeping. And all of a sudden he hears again, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. So he wakes up. He says, here I am. He comes running to, running to Eli, wakes up Eli because Eli was his master. Eli was his master. So he wakes up Eli and he says, Eli, what's up? Here I am. What's up? And he's like, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. He goes back to sleep, lays down, hears Samuel, Samuel, wakes up. Here I am. Goes running to Eli. Wake up, Eli. What's up? What's up? Here I am. The third time, Eli realized it. And Eli goes like, listen, listen, listen. Next time that you hear Samuel, Samuel, you say, Lord, speak. Here I am. I'm listening. Samuel was waking up and going to the wrong guy. Samuel was waking up and he was going to the wrong guy. And for many years, I've wondered why the crap was Samuel kept going to, 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 uh, to Eli. But to, I understood If you keep reading the Bible, the Bible says that Samuel had not had his encounter with God yet. Samuel did not know God yet. He didn't know him. So what Samuel was doing is that every time he would hear his voice, he would wake up and go to the man that he knew that was his master. Wake up and go to the guy that provided. Go to the guy that loved. Go to the guy that taught. Go to the guy that would protect him and would be with him and would wake him up and would give him breakfast and would give him lunch. And in the times that Samuel was crying, it was Eli there for him. And in the time that Samuel was down, it was Eli there for him. So every time that Samuel would hear Samuel, Samuel, he would go up to what he knew is my master, my creator, the one that's always been with me. Samuel goes on to become one of the great prophets in the Bible. One of the greatest, greatest, greatest characters in the Bible. But it all started when God called his name three times and tested him to see if his heart was a heart that was willing to run to his master no matter when, no matter how, and no matter what. It started there. It started right there. So, what's your message? What's your message? Samuel knew that he owed his life to this man. Samuel knew that he owed his life to this man. He owed what he knew to this man. And that he was alive because of him. Saul, to think that I have done so many wrongs and that I'm still alive is because of him. (laughs) You're living life. You're doing what you gotta do. Fighting the battles that you have to fight. And when God calls you and says, Josue, Josue, you decide to stay sitting down. And my message today to you is God is going to have an encounter with you. And when he has that encounter with you, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult, no matter how comfortable you are, no matter what good you feel like you're doing, You snap out of it. Here I am, here I am, here I am, here I am. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What's the... 
The mmm is you snapping with all of your strength, giving it all you got. Here I am. Here I am. You call me, I'm coming. You said, Josue, I say, here I am. Because you can either live a life of emptiness and walk from this room and never mm, snap out of it. But I am going to, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, I know that I owe my life to God. He is my master. He is my creator. So I will snap out of it. Mm, Here I am. Here I am. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Right here, right here, right here. Right here. Mm. Mm. I owe you my life. Mm. You're so awesome. Mm. You're so great. Mm. You're so wonderful. Mm. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am, Jesus. At your feet. One more time. I will live a life of fullness. I will rise. Stand redeemed. And heaven will open over me. And when heaven opens over me to his name, I will eternally and endlessly bring glory. When heaven opens over me, I will eternally and endlessly bring glory to Jesus. Here I am, God. The encounter that God is having with you requires a response. And that response is saying, here I am, God. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. I will not live a life of emptiness. I will not live a life of emptiness. I will rise. I will stand redeemed. And heaven will open over me. His blessings will fall down. And I will give him glory. Endlessly, I will remove the veil. And I will give him glory endlessly. Endlessly. 